0: Welcome to this episode of Center Stage, the Kalakomarek Family Foundation podcast, a podcast which discusses current social and cultural trends and brings you closer to the activities of the KKFF. I'm James Cunningham and my guest today is Nike Bopalecka, singer, songwriter and student of the prestigious Berklee College of Music in Boston. Nikia, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, let's get right into it. We're here in the Sky Music Bar in Ostrava, near the famous Stodoni Street. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> you'll be performing here later on, is that right?
1: Not today, but I'll be performing here next week. But this is kind of, the Sky Music Club is kind of my musical home here in Ostrava because it's kind of where I grew up musically is where I had singing lessons and songwriting lessons and a bunch of concerts, you know, some of my first and last shows right before I went to Boston. So. Uh, It very much feels like home coming here every time even I return from the U.S. So it's a pleasure to be here today. (laughs) Great, great.
0: Do you still get nervous before concerts or are you so used to playing that it's just kind of run of the mill?
1: (laughs) Well, to be fair, I don't think I was ever too nervous um, because, well, mostly because my dad is a professional public speaker. So he taught me a lot about, you know stage fright and all of that but i think mostly i don't really get nervous anymore unless it's like a completely new thing or a new band or a new you know setup or whatever we have then i'm kind of like oh okay let's see how this works but i feel like i'm only nervous right before i step on the stage but then once i'm there it's kind of like okay this works the people are here it's all that matters all that we need to do no matter how we mess up is communicate something to these people and let them have fun so I don't really get nervous anymore that much, it's just sometimes mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Do you have any superstitions or anything that you have to do before a show starts or, or you just kind of let it let it happen let not it really,
1: honestly, not really. I know that people always say like, "Oh, you should eat this or you shouldn't eat this." I'm always like, you know what? I think it's just based on what you believe in right. <laughs> like so not really, not really
0: okay, okay. well, that's a very free uh, yeah. approach to have, I think so not
1: far, maybe I'll you know find something in the future, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you're back in the Czech Republic, Sorry. having spent your first semester in Boston. First year, actually. First so first year. two
1: semesters.
0: Oh, awesome, awesome. What was it like? Give us, give us all, the, all the gossip. Oh, wow, <laughs>
1: yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot of excitement and newness and beauty and work and the stress. Um, it was, you know, I, I left... Ostrava last year in August to go to Berkeley for the first time. It was my first time going to the U.S. alone. Um, And having having experienced that year was just, it, it kind of felt like this, like I entered this whole new world of just, I guess, musicianship and just being able to meet so many artists from literally all over the world. Like, you know, my closest friends are from South America, South Africa, and the Scandinavian countries, you know, so it's all over the place and getting to experience that was a lot of like stress at the beginning, especially because it was like so everything was new. It just felt like I left all of my life here and I just left and it went there. Mm -hmm. There was no person that was the same here and there. So it was a whole new life. But once I got used to it, I was like, this really is making sense for the season of life that I'm in right now. And obviously, you know, it, it, the school system there, I guess specifically Berkeley, and because it's a music school, you just never stop mm-hmm. and to sleep you basically need to write that in your to-do list because it's like you just go morning to the next morning because you have school and then you have rehearsals and you have studio sessions so just getting used to that new lifestyle was a little tough for me especially at the beginning. Uh, but I think I went home for Christmas, which was amazing. And then once I stepped foot back on the American soil in January, I was like, Whew, okay, I know this, I know this now. <laughs> and so it was, it kind of felt like stepping into a new season that where I already knew a little bit and it kind of felt like having solid ground under my feet. So Yeah, so it was a crazy year of learning, of kind of exploring what music really means and what it means for me specifically, because I went there wanting to study songwriting specifically as a major. But then I came there and I realized that there's so many more options and that the music field is so much wider than that. And I can study a wider major, which I decided to do. And my major is called contemporary writing and production. So I'm, you know, I'm still learning songwriting, but I'm also learning production and just the producing and all that that side of the stuff. And then also some business classes and mm. and learning arrangements as well. So it's it's way broader, and it just really feels like it can really enlarge in that portfolio. So that's that's been really exciting for me to kind of explore. And realize, okay, maybe that's what I want to do. I can try out a little bit and then see was so, I was going to ask,
0: yeah does does the sort of i guess background of the music industry uh, in terms of as, uh, production or that's right. me putting it very <laughs> very bluntly, but uh does that interest you perhaps more than than the performing aspects right now at this at this moment, or are you just kind of experimenting what what you enjoy more
1: I actually do. I think I've always liked the the behind the scenes a little bit more yeah. so. Especially, I think the what I'm passionate the most about in this thing is is just the songwriting process, which means you know starting from scratch, having nothing to having a little bit and having a little demo, maybe in your voice memos on your phone, and then going from that to actually putting some instruments in and then playing it with people. So I think that is what is the most exciting for me. Um, and then the performing aspect, I feel like even though that's what I've been doing the longest, it's what i'm learning in the most right now because it's never been even though i was never you know afraid of it it was never something that felt natural to me and i've always kind of struggled through it um so i think only now i'm realizing okay performing is somehow a part of what i'm doing but i need to figure out what part but i think even in the long run i would i would prefer writing and you know producing and doing the behind the scenes stuff and letting others go and and show that off and maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to perform a little bit too but I think it was never the main thing like oh I want to be an artist that performs and goes on tour so yeah for sure for sure and I think I'm curious to see what I learn more about performing because maybe what I'm saying right now is going to be completely different in two years <laughs> yeah. I don't know but that's where I'm at right now
0: cool cool. Yeah. that's interesting because I, I read a, a, an interview from last year where you said that you want to be the best of the best does that still apply <laughs> does that is, is that the bar that you're still setting even in terms of this new avenue of music that you're that you're um, pursuing
1: that's an interesting question I don't I do not realize I said that well I <laughs> think I think the part of being able to be at the school that I'm at is you know it is a place where there are the best musicians of the best musicians which is very like intimidating and crazy at times and also very exciting and very humbling because it's like wow I get to be here even if you know if it's, some of us just don't feel worth I mean all of us don't feel worthy of being there but then you come to realize okay whatever I'm here you're there exactly you're there. like that's you, made it. <laughs> you know we're here and we need to use this opportunity to the best of our ability so I think part of the the goal and the longing of being there is trying to get the best out of it that I can. Because it's such an investment of money and time and energy and emotional energy that it's like, I really want to make the best out of this to be able to do as much as I can in the future. So I think in that sense, I really want to be the best of the best to be able to do as much as I can. But I, I've never had ambitions of like you know being the most famous songwriter in the world or whatever. I think I just really want to make music that is valuable and that um, I get to really make a living out of you know so in okay. that sense
0: I think I think you're, uh, you're definitely on the right track to, uh, to achieving that thank <laughs> you um, let's talk a little bit more about berkeley mm-hmm. um, berkeley college of music sorry um what does a typical day like look like mm-hmm. you kind of alluded to it a little bit a little bit earlier on you yeah. said it's very strenuous in terms of you, know, you have to schedule when you when you sleep <laughs> you have to schedule when you eat you have to schedule everything yeah uh, what does a typical say monday right. uh, look like for you at berkeley
1: well, what it looked like for me this past semester, Monday was actually my 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 craziest day. I had four <laughs> classes, so I wake up in the morning, go to class at nine a.m., and then I had classes all the, with some breaks all the way to like six p.m. And then a lot of times, especially this semester, I was a part of a couple bands, and we were doing some recordings and doing some re- songwriting sessions. So very often, you know, I'd go to dinner, and then I'd have a session since maybe eight. And sometimes what would happen is I would have one rehearsal or session 8 to 10 p.m. and then another one 10 to 12. Like, Mm -hmm. that's pretty standard. And then sometimes, that thankfully is not that standard, at least not for me, (laughs) maybe for some of the engineers and producers, but um, sometimes, because we have access to the Berkeley studios, which is amazing, Mm -hmm. and is part of the great privilege of being there. But the thing is, very often, especially as a first-year student, you don't get to go to the studios throughout the day because they're all booked Mm -hmm. so you have to go at night (laughs) so i remember this one recording session that we had for uh we had like an ensemble class and we needed to record a song together as a band um and so one of the guys booked the studio and it was if i remember well i think it was midnight till 4 a.m wow so we went we did a recording or whatever, and then at 4am, we were leaving the studio, and I saw my friend coming in, and I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I have a session, 4 to 6. So, that's not that standard for me, so that's not a typical Monday, but, uh, but it very much is a lot about, like, having a lot of things. And then even when there's a freer day, I feel like there's always a lot of space to, like, you always think about okay like I'm doing all these things and what does that really mean how do I use that in my actual professional life or even personal life so yeah so that's kind of what it looks like
0: cool cool <laughs> I, I love how you just casually said oh you know we did the session from midnight to 4am yeah. as if it was it like a... just, you know that's the
1: funny part it's like it kind of is casual to us which is horrible <laughs> but it, yeah it was fun though it was, it was a lot of fun <laughs>
0: And what is, you mentioned um, there being a different, or well, the studio being booked because the, the older years mm-hmm. have booked it all out. Uh, what's the relationship like there between first mm-hmm. years and, and the, the later years?
1: Well, from my personal experience, I have really, really good relationships with, uh, with, like, you know, the older students. And that has been such, such a privilege for me and such a gift because it really is helpful, just like you said, you know, having that support. Maybe not mentorship in that sense, but just having someone to ask. Um, so I do have a couple of friends that, that are really good friends of mine and that are in the older years, you know, with the studios, they can't really affect that because it's just how the system is set and they need the studio more than us, you know, anyway. So that's the way it is, but, uh, I've definitely found them very, very helpful. And the nice thing, in, you know, I feel like at Berkeley people often like, you know, start mid-year or they like defer a semester so a lot of people are like in different semesters at different ages even Mm -hmm. so that makes it more concise i feel like the community is more tied together as well which is nice okay
0: and what's life in boston like
1: that's a great question i feel like i haven't really experienced it that much because i was very much in the i call it the berkeley circle (laughs) because the thing about berkeley compared to other american universities even like universities in boston Mm berkeley is really tiny It has maybe, you know, for a music school, it's a lot. It's like 7,000 students, maybe. But for an average American college, that's not too much. And the thing is, we don't really have our own campus as like a a designated area. We just have like a couple buildings in downtown Boston, (laughs) which makes it really fun because you're in downtown Boston. (laughs) But it's also a little claustrophobic at times because you're literally just walking around. Like if if I don't make the effort, this year I lived in the dorms. So like I had, my, had the dorm in the same building that I had my classes. The next door, I would go to the, caf, to the cafeteria to eat. And then across the street, I would have rehearsal rooms and some more classes and that's basically it. <laughs> so, uh, but it makes me really fun. So I, that's that to say, I feel like I haven't experienced Boston that much. I really like the city because it's so, you know, when I came, people said, oh yeah, Boston is such a European city. And I, was, I was laughing because I was like, <laughs> what does that mean in America? And I came and it, I kind of see what they mean because it is this interesting blend of history and, you know, the modern technology and modern architecture. And it's really a kind of a funny blend. My dad, when he visited me um, this spring, he came to this one square where there's like this really, really old Gothic church. And then right next to it, there's this huge skyscraper that was built like last year. And he was just staring at it, and he was like, this is kind of strange, <laughs> but it kind of makes sense. So I feel like Boston in general is kind of a blend of things, like a lot of cultures, a lot of artists mm-hmm. in general, a lot of students. Obviously, Harvard, MIT, you know, that's, mm-hmm. Berkeley's nothing, in compared, like in amounts of people compared to those colleges. So I'm hoping to experience Boston a little bit more next year, hopefully. once I, I'll have an apartment this time, so I'll live a little bit further away, okay. so I'll get to get away a little Great. So
0: that's nice. That yeah. sounds good. those are a coming... very long answer. That. <laughs> no, no. No, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. And coming back here, I mean, how, was 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 it a big culture shock to come back for the... Uh, you're, you're I assume you are here for the summer?
1: Yes. It kind of was. Mm. It kind of was. Um, I came back twice so far for Christmas and then for the summer. And both times it took me like two to three weeks to adjust. Mm. Um, I think it's mostly just because... The lifestyle is so different. Um, life feels very peaceful here to me compared to that, <laughs> which is something that I really needed coming back, like just being able to like just sit still for a little bit. And, um, and of course, given that I wasn't studying when I'm here, it's, va- it's literally like coming to vacation when I come here. So that was really cool. But I think the culture shock it, its just more like getting used to the d- differences. And I think because Berkeley is such an international school, mm-hmm. um, just suddenly coming back to a culture where it's literally just Czech people mostly, yeah. it's not very international naturally. So I was like, oh, okay, this is different, you know, <laughs> or maybe kind of you know, because it feels like there I needed to get used to how really each person is coming from a different background. And most, like the fact that I'm a Czech person that grew up in Czech Republic and lived here my whole life, that's very rare. Mm -hmm. Usually people at Berkeley are like, you know, half Mexican and half American and lived in, you know, Singapore, whatever. Like (laughs) I literally have a friend who grew up in America but she's half Israeli and half Russian and they speak Hebrew at home, but she's, you know, fluent in English and it, like, it's so interesting to me because when you hear her music you see that you really hear that mix of cultures mm-hmm. in that music so I think coming back here it's just always a culture shock for me like oh Czech people are very much kind of the same
0: you know I don't know
1: if you ever experienced that like coming back from the UK or something but it's like I love Czech people so much and I love the culture and I love the humor that's what I miss the mm-hmm. most I think but it's also like oh people are kind a little predictable (laughs) in the best way though like yeah I love being here
0: (laughs) and do you think some of that some of that Ostrava I mean you you mentioned the the fact that with your your Israeli friend or with your American Israeli friend yeah (laughs) that that, that her her background translates into into her work do you feel like a bit of Ostrava translates into your work as well
1: ooh it's a tough question I'm not sure I'm not sure and I think maybe it will eventually because the funny thing is I always used to write only in English. I would write songs only in English, but in the past maybe year, for one, I had to start writing more in Czech as I started having more like assignments and projects in Czech, but I also naturally started writing more in Czech because I was so far away from home. So I feel like more of the culture that I grew up in is starting to present itself now that I'm away. So yeah. I don't think yet, You know, I don't think Ostrava is somehow projecting itself into my music or my art or my life there. But I think it might eventually as I as I'm there longer and as I realize the things that are a part of my life here and are important to me. And I never thought about them because I just lived here for 20 years (laughs) (laughs) so for my whole life. So, yeah, I think in that sense, I really feel like I've really appreciated just the Czech Republic in general more now that I'm gone and I come back so every time I come back I'm like wow it's really beautiful here it's really nice and the people are really cool the language is incredible so it's like I start realizing these things now (laughs) which is funny to me
0: (laughs) and uh whilst you're here have you gotten in touch with members of your original band as well
1: I have actually, yeah, we had a couple, we had a couple gigs here, which was really fun. And I, we have a, a little. The band I have right now is a little bit different because we've we did like this cooperation with a uh, collaboration actually with uh, this band called Idrisko. Because it's just these three young musicians they've been playing together, and so I asked them to join me and to play some of my songs with me. And I have some background vocalists as well that I've played with for years. Uh, so it was, it's really so interesting to me to play with them again because I do feel like I've grown a lot in the past year but it's also only been a year mm-hmm. so I feel like a lot of the changes or the growing that I've done um, musically and personally is kind of showing in ways that I don't understand yet so I, in certain things I can see like oh, I know what to do in this situation now because I've been in a band in the US and I've seen mm-hmm. someone do this and I've never experienced it before and now I know what to do but with certain things, I'm just like, I just like, it feels a little different, but I can't really name it yet, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. The reason I asked about, about your, your original band mm-hmm. members was about, is because I think there's, a, there's quite a funny story that, that I heard about how you all got together and decided that you were going to be a band. Was it true that you just met up one day, said that you would play a one-off <laughs> concert and then <laughs> just decided to form a band then and there? Is, is that I, right? It, it
1: basically, yeah, <laughs> it, that's true. Yeah. Since I was 12, I was a part of this different band Um, and we played and it was great and then I started writing my own music and we didn't really play that in that band and I really wanted to play that for other people and so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do like one time concert, just me um, and I'm going to invite a couple musicians, just a one-time thing. And so because I had some friends in that band that I played in, I asked them to play with me and invited those background vocalists um, that actually went to the same singing teacher as me, which in mean here in Sky Music Club. And uh, so we did that show. But exactly like you said, it was so fun and so cool that we kind of made it happen. It took a while because it was in... Uh, it was in the during the fall of twenty nineteen. So before we even started, COVID did as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that 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 happened. It was kind of wild, and I think it was the first time I realized like, oh, I guess I can kind of do this, you know. And it, for the first time, I felt like I'm owning my music a little bit more because that experience in that previous band was incredible. I loved it, and I still am in touch with the teacher that led that, and you know, with the people that were there. But it was it was just different, and that in that next stage of growth was having a band of my own and being able to do my own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, great. No, it's, it's really cool how sometimes coincidences can lead to, to such realizations. You know, it's exactly. uh, it's really cool. This
1: is how I went to Berkeley, kind of, because I remember my teacher Tanya Weiss who taught me who taught me singing and not only really singing. Honestly, it was officially a singing lesson, but she taught me so much about music and about inspiration. And, one time I remember she, uh, she told me something about like, oh yeah, maybe you should go study the school, like Barclay or whatever it's called. <laughs> and I laughed. I went home and I was laughing. I was telling my parents like, wow, like my teacher thinks I should go to a music school for college, like that's hilarious. <laughs> and funny enough, for some strange reason, I don't usually write a diary, but that night I did. And I wrote it down like with a really weird spelling and then I found it years later and I was like, wow, I actually ended up going to that school. <laughs> now I actually know how it's spelled too. <laughs> but, you know, just those random things that just, just happened. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and did a similar, you've, you've also worked with, uh, speaking of working with, with artists, you've worked with Margrethe Konvitsko, who's That's quite right. a prominent artist here in the Czech yeah. Republic. How did, how did that come about? Was that a similar coincidence or was that, did she reach out to you?
1: That was actually through my singing teacher as well, through Tanya Weiss, because she uh, taught her singing and it was at the time where I kind of started writing more R and B influenced songs. Um, and uh Tanya heard it and she was like, Okay, this is this is kind of cool. Let me ask Marquez because she was she was looking at that type of music. Um that at that time she was looking for something like that. And so she was like, you know what? It was before Christmas. she was like, over Christmas, just write something and I'll, you know, we, we, can, we can ask her if she would be interested. So I wrote this, like, it maybe had like a minute and a half demo. It was pretty bad. I remember, like, there were certain, like, background vocals that weren't exactly tight and weren't exactly perfect. But I, I sent it to my teacher to just confirm, like, is this the good direction? I'm gonna finish it and actually, like, make it nice. Mm-hmm. Well, what she did is she sent it straight to Marqueta. Wow, <laughs> and then I didn't know that, and she just sent me the message back, my teacher, and she she just sent me a screenshot, and she basically saying that Marqueta is on vacation right now, and she's listening to the song and she loves it, and I was like, okay, I've never <laughs> done this before, let's go. <laughs> so we got to finish that song. It was such an incredible opportunity for me. I was seventeen at the time, and and we. Got to go into the studio in Prague, actually, work with Boris Karlov, which, you know, an amazing producer, and I got to just be there. Like, I had no idea what's happening, <laughs> but I was just there, and I got to see <laughs> Maketa record the song, and I got to really be in the process and then see that. Um, yeah, so that was incredible, and then I got to work on some other songs with her as well. So yeah. that's how it started.
0: Because I mean, you, you also recorded a song for her for her daughter. That's uh, right. Which is, pretty, which is pretty cool. I mean, how do you... Uh, this is, what happens to you? And you obviously don't don't have children yet, right? Yeah. But like, how do you kind of how
1: how how did you
0: do that? Yeah. How did you get into that that frame of mind to say, okay, well, what would a mother sing to her to her daughter? Yeah, I was just
1: trying to ask myself that question. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, let's see. So I just write down some notes And like, okay, I guess maybe this is what a mom would say maybe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> like, Do I need to, like, ask other moms Or something <laughs> So, um, yeah, but then what happened is I mostly wrote the music for that And Marqueta, most of the lyrics were hers I just wrote a couple so But it's still, like, even musically It was like, okay, like, what am I saying Musically, mm-hmm. even without the words mm-hmm. What is this Actually expressing And this was, like in, in the hardest lockdown that was, um, and I was at a summer cottage. Actually, um, we were just like stuck there, and I had a piano. and I was like, okay, I need to try to figure this out. And so I, I had this just chord idea, and I sent it to her, and she's like, yeah, this is this is a good direction. It was really I was like, okay, okay, we can we can work on that. So, but yeah, it was strange. It was strange, but it was a great experience because you know I do want to be that kind of an artist and that kind of a writer. That even you know with the strangest and most different life that someone comes to me and they're like I want you to write a song about this even though I've never experienced that in my life I want to be able to be like yeah sure let's do let's do that (laughs) so it's a challenge and and, but it's a part of the profession that I'm in so it was great to be able to do that pretty early on (laughs) yeah
0: And in terms of the songwriting process, is there a particular environment that you, that you go to when you mm-hmm. want to write songs? Like, do you seek solitude or do you go to a cafe to seek inspiration or, or, or a cottage to play yeah. on your piano? Um, what do you normally do when, you, when mm. you write songs?
1: That's a great question. I think mostly I start at the piano. I just love sitting at the piano and, and, like, if I have an assignment or a project that I'm working on, or even if I don't, I just want to write a song... Just being able to sit at that piano and play around with chords and play around with melodies, usually lyrics come second for me, uh, so sometimes I just have scratch lyrics, I just you know gibberish words and then <laughs> I make it into something. But I think that 's usually where it starts, and maybe after that i 'm able to you know go sit down at a coffee shop or outside and, and work on the lyrics. but I've found that whatever I surround myself with deeply affects my art. <laughs> um, whether it's music or visual art or people or conversations or places and so whatever you know I feel like whatever I'm listening to that's what I tend to write <laughs> subconsciously um and so when I know that I'm supposed to write you know like in I don't know R&B neo soul song then I really try to listen to that a lot from different kinds of artists because you know I don't want to just like go from one inspiration, but I go from, and usually I get reference tracks from people. So I listen to a lot of that. I surround myself with that and try to study like, okay, what, does these, what do these things have in common and how can I incorporate that? And then usually it's easier for me to write what I need to write. So, um, and I think another part that I do love doing in my songwriting process is switching up things all the time. Like, you know, the process is never the same. So it does usually start at the piano. But I love when songs can, you know, start from different things Like, I have this one song we play with my band, and I wrote it on bass I don't really play bass, but my brother used to, and we had a bass guitar at home And so one time I just picked it up, and I just like, tried some random things And then I came up with this basically sample chord progression, I didn't know it, but I did And I sang some melody over it, and that's how I started writing that song and so it's very different from all the other songs that I've written because it started differently. So mm-hmm. that's why I love switching up things too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to broaden your musical exactly. horizons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you as a songwriter um, ensure that you appeal to your target audience or to the audience that you want to appeal to? Because uh, the, the reason I ask this is because we, as, as we sit here now, um, recently Beyoncé has had to re- rewrite some song lyrics because they were deemed... Uh, Offensive to a certain mm. to a certain um, group of people, Lizzo as well. So, um, do, is that something that you also that you also think about when you write songs? Wow. Um, do you also think, oh well, could this be a little bit controversial, or or is it is it purely a case of no? This is how I feel. This is how I, how I want to express myself.
1: Mm. I think thankfully I haven't run into that as much because I've mostly written for Marqueta or some beginning artists or for myself. Mm. So especially when I write for myself, I'm kind of like, you know, I want to make it something that I truly believe in or truly that I can relate to. Um, But it's it's like, and especially probably because it's in English and I'm mostly used to a Czech audience. So I do want to communicate something even with like English speaking audience. But I think I've never had to think about that to that degree. I think maybe, you know, eventually if I if. If I have the opportunity to write for some other artists that do encounter these things, I might have to think about that a little bit more. Um, But I think mostly when I write for other artists, it's always the, the hard thing for me is thinking about, okay, there's part of it is what I wanna write and what I'm communicating as a songwriter, even through their topic. But the other thing is like, what would they say? Even if I'm writing it, what would they say? Even if it's not exactly aligned with what maybe I would say or how I would say it, it's like, I need, this is their song. Like I need to align with it, but at the same time, it's their song. So I think that's always been something that I've struggled with and and I'm kind of trying to find my way through it. It's like, where's the compromise? And, and it usually works out, you know, it's, it's just about communication, but something that I've been learning a lot about, like, you know, maybe I feel like this is the better way to say it, but that artist feels differently. So I need to compromise that and I need to change that. So, but I don't, I wouldn't say I've, I've never encountered anything to that degree of like, you know, being afraid of being offensive. Um, not yet. So yeah. I might, might run into that.
0: No, it was more of a case of whether you whether you considered right. the the, mm. the reaction that people might have uh, right. to to some of the, some of the, some of the songs mm-hmm. or even I guess not so much well lyrics are probably probably more um, right. more more relevant to, to that particular point but right. uh, yeah. but also also perhaps to to melodies and mm-hmm. that sort of thing and in terms of in terms of of. Um, working on, working on uh, songs. You, you mentioned that you, you wanted to work on songs in, in, in Czech as well. Uh, are, you, are you meeting up with, with, some, uh, with some songwriters while, while, whilst you're here or going to see some acts whilst oh, you're here as well?
1: Not as much as I'd like to. So not really. I've mostly been working on my own stuff and with my own band. So not, not as much. Yeah, But maybe eventually. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's like writing in Czech has always been a huge challenge for me. Even though, you know, it is my first language and I love it. I love reading and I love, I, you know, I used to recite poetry as well. And I love poetry. But it's just like, there's something about writing songs in Czech that, is, that I'm still struggling with. And I think part of it is because I've always used to listen to music in English, mostly. And so, you know, it's a part of that, like, whatever you surround yourself with, that's what, you, that's what comes out of you. And so, because I've never been that exposed to Czech music, especially obviously not in the genre that I'm doing, because there's not as much R&B, pop, neo-soul, now it's beginning a little more, which just amazing, but um, it, it's never been that much, so I think that's part of the struggle, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do, how is this done, how do I do it so that I honor the language, and I don't bend it too much like you can do in English, but at the same time, how do I like, not overthink this. I think that's my biggest problem. Every time I write a Czech song, I just overthink it. And I know too many rules about Czech poetry that I'm always like, oh, no, I can't do that. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, part of it does. Part of it absolutely matters. But part of it is like, it's art. Like, you need to find the compromise in that. So I think that's that's the part that I've been trying to learn is how to write high-quality Czech songs, even though I'm not really used to that.
0: Yeah. What has been your greatest challenge so far in your career? Could be musical, could be personal, and, and how have you overcome it?
1: I think the greatest challenge was to make the decision to actually do music and to actually go study it at a school like Berklee College of Music. Because you know I, I truly believe that if you wanna do art for real, you really need to make that commitment. You know, It's not just, a day job that you go to and then you quit in half a year. You need to actually commit because it takes time and you need to really figure out what you're building in that, if you're building your own artistry or someone else's or, you know, whatever side of it. So I think the greatest challenge, and it took me a long time to really make that call of this really makes sense to me and I really want to do it. Because I've been doing, you know, I've been singing all my life and playing piano and my parents... amateur musicians so they've always kind of taught me into some type of musicality but it's it hasn't been until i really started learning singing and was in a band and and got to learn songwriting and start writing songs even at that point i was still like i was in high school and i was doing all of this in all of my free time basically but i was still like no why would i actually pursue music as a career and as a job um and it really wasn't until I started working with Marqueta and started exploring all of these different areas of the music industry, music business, where I realized this really makes sense to me. And I think it's something that I can really do if I make that decision. So at that time, I actually, I wanted to go study to the UK at first, but then Brexit came and it, you know all these complications. Um, and then it wasn't until my last year of high school when I, when I really decided, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna try to, you know, apply for Berkeley and see what happens. And so making that decision was really a huge shift for me. And it took me a couple of weeks to to be like, okay, even if I don't get it to Berkeley, I'm still gonna do music because that's something that really makes sense to me. And then thankfully I, you know, I had the incredible opportunity to actually go. So I think that was the greatest challenge I needed to overcome and I sometimes need to overcome it again and again because especially at Berkeley, I feel like a lot of people, you know, as good as they are musicians, that the better they are, the more imposter syndrome they have and the more they you know, wake up every morning and doubt, is this actually where I should, should be? Isn't this like a whole mistake? Isn't, isn't this wrong? But it's always coming back to that, I'm here. It doesn't matter how good I am at this point. I'm here and I need to use that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think it's always coming back to that and realizing, you know, art isn't always as concrete as we'd like it to be, even as artists. Yeah. Um, and it requires a lot of healthy habits and a lot of healthy discipline, because otherwise it's, you know, it's not really worth doing <laughs> for real. So um, that was the biggest shift of going from being an artist as a hobby and being an artist as profession Your website
0: is still active people can right. still donate and contribute to mm-hmm. your uh, studies at right. Berkeley um, how, have, how have things been going as, as, as will that be active now throughout uh, is that there's no real end end limit to that people can still donate and support you
1: Yeah for sure so far absolutely uh, the incredible thing is when I got to Berkeley I got a 50% scholarship for my tuition which was really the reason why I could even think about going for it. Um And uh, it was, so, you know, it's such a blessing and such a privilege knowing that there's people that really support it and that, that look at what I'm doing, even though, especially at that time, it wasn't very specific. It was like, oh, okay, it's the singer writer. We can see some of her work, but we can't really see that much. But it's something that we like and we want to support it. And, you know, some people give a little bit and some people give a lot. And, you know, having support from foundations like these is like... You know that really makes me feel like this is worth it because there's people that really stand in that journey with me. And so now I'm going into my third semester and thankfully I've been able to pay that. Um, and so right now I'm kind of getting and raising money for my fourth semester. Uh, so that's still possible for people to, to donate if it's something that they you know, feel like it makes sense and it's something that they like. Um, and I'm just hoping to, you know, I'm planning to continue and to finish up the school. So it's, you know, it's a journey of, of being able to do that. But it's, it's just such a privilege to have the support of larger foundations and smaller foundations and especially foundations like. No <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just it, that's been great. So, yes, if people want to want to donate or want to look at what I'm doing definitely can check out my website they give a
0: it's, it's easy yeah. um, there's a there will be a link in the in the description perfect. to this I podcast see. as well that's great um, i know yeah. i know it's it's looking forward is always tough um, right. especially in a situation where you're studying and you're focusing on what you want to what you want to achieve at berkeley right. and uh, and even just getting used to new surroundings in the united states and yeah. just being away from home and not just not just away from home but a, lo- a long way yeah. away from home yeah. <laughs> But uh, I feel like I, I feel like I, I wanted to ask you this um, and so I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> um, in terms of plans after Berkeley mm-hmm. have, you, have you thought of, of what you want to do? So, are there any projects that you still want to fulfill? Any mm-hmm. places you want to perform at? Mm-hmm. People you want to perform with? Um, mm-hmm. what, what are your main aims post-Berkeley?
1: Right. Well it's very much in the dreaming zone so far. <laughs> not, very, not very specific and to be fair, I don't really know because I feel like I've only started developing even the direction that I'm going in within music. Um, so the first big step was deciding, yes, I'm doing music. And now the next step was, okay, which direction am I going, which I'm glad that I got to decide with my major and doing writing and production and arranging and all of that. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to think about what happens after Berkeley, but I think my main goal is to... Um, is to just, you know, I'm going to try to stay in the U.S. as long as my student visa allows me, and then see if I maybe want to pursue to stay there longer. I'm not sure about that yet, but I just really want to make music that truly has impact. Whether it's, you know, through my own voice, or through someone else's, or with no wor- words, I don't know, instrumental. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just realizing more and more, the more I do music and the more I know see encounter people at music school and, and even outside of the music realm it's like realizing how art in general just has so much impact and we don't even know like you know you, you, you sit in your car in the morning you go to work and you listen to the radio and that can change your mood completely for the rest of your day mm-hmm. and we have songs or albums that are associated with different seasons in our life and with different things that we experience with different people you know, sad moments, happy moments, nostalgic moments, everything is like so interconnected and it's so personal to each one of us that it's its like I want to be able to create music that can be that for people and that can really you know, people can hear it on the radio or play it on their Spotify when they go to work in the morning and to really make it their, you know, to go into work with a different mood than when they woke up and be able to go uh, with a smile on their face. So I think That's the biggest goal is just being able to make music that matters and make music that really has impact wherever in the world that's going to be
0: thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank I you. believe you will also or will you also perform a song for us? Sure,
1: why not? Oh that'd be great. <laughs> thank
0: you so much. So we're gonna close out this podcast, okay. a special a special edition here with uh, with a song of yours. So thank you so much once again and all the best for not just for your studies but also going forward.
1: Thank you so much, such a pleasure being here. Thought <laughs> I'm being on the I'm mm-hmm.